The following audio content is a talk from Convergence, a service for young adults at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at upc.org forward slash young adults. Well, go ahead and grab a seat and welcome to Convergence. My name is Brenna and I am the ministry coordinator here at Convergence and I am so glad to see you all. If you are new tonight, especially, I just want to... Um, Add an extra thank you. I know it can be incredibly difficult to walk into a room where you don't know anybody. Uh, maybe you know one person. It feels kind of scary. So thank you for taking a risk that I know cannot be easy. We are continuing tonight in a series that our director, John Epps, started last week for August. It's kind of a mini-series, our summer programming, if you will. And that series, we're calling it Fundamentals. What we're doing is we're slowing down and we're taking a look at what it is are the, are the fundamental building blocks of this community in particular, of Convergence. So last week, John talked to us about kind of our, our splashy mission statement that we put on everything, releasing God's future today. Talked about kind of what he even means in that. And he asked us a question, what's the problem? Kind of what's our problem? What are, what are those things that we're trying to deal with that help us figure out the right questions to ask that shape us, that kind of guide us in who we are. Tonight, we're looking at the second part of our mission, which is to help people, you, me, anyone that comes here, find their brothers and sisters, their friends to walk with. So one of our our biggest things here, we want you to come in and to meet people and to leave knowing someone deeper, someone that you can walk with that's going to know where you struggle, where you're excellent, going to know all about you. So what's the problem? We don't do it very well. As individuals that come here, sometimes as a staff, we seem to mess it up all the time. People come in and they come for a couple times. They don't really meet anybody, so they leave. And they think, I couldn't meet anyone. No one there was nice. The staff didn't help me. Maybe it's me. Maybe no one wants to be my friend. There's a problem there. And so we have to ask the question, why? But before we even get to the question or the problem, we have to talk about why it's important, right? Like, why do we care about anything anyways? So in order to do this, I thought I would demonstrate a couple things. Some of you might have seen this. The title of the series, you can't play dodgeball alone. So, not dodgeball, four square. Can't play dodgeball alone either. That'd be pretty hard too. Couldn't be like this. You'd be out all the time. So, I'm going to test this theory out right now, okay? So if I'm going to play dodgeball alone, right, I need you to kind of, Four square. Why do I keep doing it? You know what it was? It's like I couldn't find a four square ball this morning, so I had a dodgeball. Anyways, you can't play four square alone. So I need you to imagine with me. Imagine that this box, right, this four square court, is our life. Okay? This is the boundaries of our life. And this ball is kind of everything that makes us who we are. It is our hopes and our dreams, our failures, our scars, our baggage, um, everything you could possibly imagine about you. This is it. So if I step into my life here, and I've got all of me in here, and I want to play by myself, if you haven't played Foursquare, you've got to bounce it and then pass it. Yay, I win, right? Um, it's not really challenging. don't really learn anything. kind of boring, actually. So I could try to do it this way, right? I could try to play my own game. I could try to run over here and bounce it and then try to run back, and I lose my shoe which is what happens, see? So, things like this happen. And I get exhausted, or I make an idiot of myself. Both things happen. But what I'm trying to say, right, so if we're going to try to play this game alone, 
we're either going to become completely unchallenged, no, no stretching, no growing, or we're going to exhaust ourselves trying to run back and forth. And we might make it once or twice, but pretty soon we're going to burn out. We're going to hit a problem or a struggle that we can't get ourselves. But this is what you say. You say, Brenna, I am not alone. No, 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 you don't say. I have like 650 Facebook friends. Okay, we're going to try this. Stay. I would like you to meet my Facebook friends. These are my Facebook friends right here. Okay? They're right here. So this, right, they're shiny. You're going to see exactly what you want you to see. They're right there for you when you need them, you think. So my Facebook friends and I, we're going to try to, we're going to, try to do this life thing together. Right here. We're going to try this. Okay. Not really working for me. Trying to say, right, we, we go into life, we have all of our hopes and dreams, and we think, we are, oh, I'm totally set. I've got all these people. And we can serve to them again and again and again. But there's no guarantee that they're actually ever going to serve back. They're not going to play the game with us. All we're going to see is what they want us to see. We can put out a million different hopes and dreams and lives, and it's never going to work. Okay, so my Facebook friends are leaving. Actually, they're staying right here. He's going to watch me. He's approval. Um, okay, so that's, that's not going to work. Brenna, you tell me, no, 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 don't you get it? I have a boyfriend. I've got a girlfriend. I've got a husband or a wife. That's all I need. I don't need friends. I am complete. We're like, we're like this. I need help here. Yeah. All right. Josh, Josh is going to be my husband. We're going to be right there. We're going to play some four square. Okay. You and me back and forth, right? Serve that. I'm going to serve that. I'm going to serve that. So that's fun for about five seconds. <laughs> right? So you, you have this one person, and it should be great. You have a relationship. And we're going to test each other, and we're going to grow. And, but at some point, we've still got two empty squares over here. And so what I'm going to ask then is I'm going to come and bring it back. I'm going to serve it back to you again. Okay? You're going to serve it to me. Then I'm going to ask you to get that square. Okay? And then I'm going to ask you to get this square. And you're going to be going back and forth trying to fill all these places. It's one person to fill a square. And you can't do it. You start to get resentful and angry. Why can't they fill my squares? What is missing? The other person's like, I can't be three squares. What is this? This is ridiculous. Okay? So then you go, what would I deal? I mean, Carly, will you come up here? And Megan, too. Yeah, you're sitting back there. All quiet. Now, all of a sudden, we've got four people, right? So we have our four squares. I'm going to serve it. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. <laughs> we can call for that. What do we see when they're in, though, though, right? So there's four of us. We're taking all our hopes and dreams, all of our lives. We've got our friends here. We're bouncing it from square to square. And every single one of them is going to challenge me, is going to sharpen me. They're going to find my strengths and weaknesses. They're going to push me to the brink. They are going to help me be better than I was when I entered that box. And in fact, one of them might get out, right? That's the point of force where you're trying to get somebody out, or you might get out yourself. Because our friends change. They're not the same through people our whole life. But they are drastically important if we want to become the fullest version of ourselves that we can. We cannot play four square alone. We can't live life alone. It doesn't work. We have to have friends. Will you guys pray with me?
Lord, I just want to thank you for these people that they have showed up here tonight, that they have come to hear your word. We pray that as we go forward, you would open our eyes and ears to what it is you would have us hear as we seek your will in your name. Amen. Well, friendship is a biblical idea. We see it across the Bible. We have Abraham and Moses are friends of God. Uh, David and Jonathan, they're friends. Naomi and Ruth, we've got the friends of the paralytic. We have all of these examples in the Bible of friendship. And when I was preparing for tonight, I honestly felt overwhelmed, going over and over of, what am I even supposed to pick? You're not five-year-olds. You don't need me to take your hand and be like, Shannon, this is Lindsay. Lindsay, this is Shannon. I just want to tell you to be friends. Okay? It doesn't, it doesn't have to have, you don't need that. You're adults. You know. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you so much. That was really great. You have just made my day. <laughs> One of the best friends, though, and we, you know, we get kind of cheesy this say, my best friend is Jesus. But it's true. But One of the great things about Jesus is that he actually had friends. When he came to earth and he engaged with his disciples and the people around him, he made friends. In John 15, verses 13 through 15, it's a pretty, you know, most of you probably heard this, but it says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because servants do not know their master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus didn't have to have friends. It's not something that was necessary, technically, for him to come and save us. No, he chose it because there's something about friendship that has a divine spark to it. There is something that is so good about it, that is so true, that is so incarnate to God's nature that he couldn't help it. He chose to come down here. On those cards, on the chairs, there's a C.S. Lewis quote that I think explains it best where he says friendship isn't necessary like philosophy like art like the universe itself for god didn't have to create it has no survival value rather it is one of those things that gives value to survival but we want the reason we care about you meeting these people the walking with people the people you find is because it gives you deep value in your life it takes a single square and makes it four. It makes it a complete deck, a game that you can actually engage in and grow with. Here's the great thing about Jesus' friends. When we, when we read our Bible and we watch the way they interacted with him, we get to see different facets of who Jesus was. When we meet Jesus' friend, Peter, and we see the way they interact, we get to see and get to know the Jesus that takes us after our utmost failure and uses us for the glory of God. When we think we have done the worst thing we could possibly do, he says, you know what? I've got you. I'm still going to use you anyways. It's okay. When we look at Thomas, we meet Jesus' friend Thomas, we get to know the Jesus that says, go ahead and touch my scars. That says, your doubt isn't something to be ashamed of, that 
the questions you have, I don't condemn you for them. I said, he, he shows us he's a God that says, come close, examine, ask, feel for yourself, get to know me. We meet Matthew, we, we get to know the Jesus that walks up to someone sitting there collecting taxes in the middle of doing something that was, you know, sin in the eyes of the culture, and he says, come home, take me, take me to your home, follow me, let's throw a party for everyone you know, because I love you just where you are. When we meet Jesus' friends, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, we get the chance to know a God who weeps. We get the chance to meet a Jesus who feels our pain, who is empathetic to the deep loss that we feel. It's through our friends and our companions, those people we walk with, that we have new dimensions of our personality brought out, new dimensions of who we are as a full human being. They help us to become the fullest version we could be, the roundest version, the most filled out square by reflecting back to us a piece of us we may not see, a piece of us we may not like but need to work on, a piece of us that nobody else could possibly know but for my interaction. When I look at my friends in this room, I think to myself, I know that each of them bring out something different. Hannah brings out something different in me than Shannon brings out something different than Becca, than Carly. The things that, the people that we are, the, the person that we want to become can only happen when we actually engage with another and we grow. Our friends not only help us see ourselves, but they help us see God. In those times when we are the paralytic and we can't do it ourselves, they lower us down. When we have people to walk with, they reflect back those facets of God's personality into our lives when we can't help but see the darkness. They give us a bigger purpose than ourselves, people to care for, people to love, people to strive to live up to. So where do we get it so wrong? We want it. We know why it's good. Why doesn't it happen? We walk into this room on a Tuesday and we leave feeling like we don't know anyone any better than when we left. We feel like we have gone for years and years and years without ever actually making a friend. I think one of the places we get it wrong is that we want it way too fast. In a culture where it takes a click of a mouse to become someone's friend, We've forgotten that it takes a really long time to actually build a true friend. The word in uh, John 15 for friend there in Greek is philos. I have a definition for it because I don't speak Greek, so I had to search this out. But it says, a friend, someone dearly loved, prized in a personal, intimate way, a trusted confidant held dear in close bond, of personal affection. I'm going to drop that. I'm going to go with that. And there's a little note to it that says, this root, Phil, conveys experiential personal affection, indicating it expresses experience-based love. 
How many of us, when we think of the word friend anymore, think of anything that deep and that time-consuming? We're reading John 15. This is the end of the Gospels, the very end of the Gospels. Jesus isn't referring to these disciples as his friends at the beginning. This is after a long walk. This is after hardship, danger. This is after an intimate sharing of knowledge, of the Father, of fear, of their weaknesses. He's walked with them. He knows them. That's what it takes to build a friendship. But really, we want to hurry it. I'm going to example here. Draw this out. Please forgive me. Um, right, so let's go this way. We're going to have a house here. This is our house. Okay, we have a front yard. Yeah, this is our front porch. Door. This is a room. Don't worry about it. This is another room. I never said I was an artist, okay? Never. Right? So things to go this way. Let's see. We've got, we have all these people out here. Right? This is where we all start. We all start in the front yard of friendship. Okay? We all, this is where, this is where it has to begin. These are the people, you know, you say hi to, smile at, you might remember their name. You hope you do. If you're in my position, it gets really awkward really fast. Um, you're, you're you're not that close. You're not going to share anything particularly deep. You know, these are your neighbors that might come over and borrow something out of the garage or a cup of sugar, but you're not inviting them into your home. Okay? So this is where this is where friendship starts, out in the yard. The next group we have would be this kind of front porch, living room, take your pick group. If you don't have a front porch, come into your living room. There are people you're going to have a nice dinner party with, but you're going to stay really PC with them. Um, you're not going to tell them about really messy things going on in your family because that would just be awkward over dinner. It's, it's a kind of a surface-level relationship. Okay, we're going to call this our den. All right, so what we have here, we, we have these, this is where we're going to find our friends that come into our house through our front door. They walk into our den. They kick off their shoes. They move the coffee table. You know, it could be a living room, too. I don't care what it is, a TV room. And they put their bare feet up on our coffee table. And we don't care. These are the friends that we have invited into our lives. You know, we don't mind seeing their bare feet. We don't mind them seeing ours. The kind of places of us we might tend to keep hidden from other people. We've invited them to come into a place where they can kind of move stuff around and get to know who we are. Finally, we're here. We're going to call this the refrigerator. Kitchen. Refrigerator. That's all I think about in the kitchen anyways. Um, these, right here, this is going to be, we're going to call kitchen friends. These are going to be the friends that walk through your front door while you're in the shower walk into your kitchen, open your refrigerator, take out the last Funfetti cupcake, eat it, and then when you come downstairs out of your shower in a towel and you say, I was going to eat that, they go, sorry, and they put the dish in the sink, and you laugh. They're the friends that you've invited into the very core, the very core of who you are. The people you've invited into all the mess, they see your dirty dishes, they see you in your towel, you know, these, these are the people that are close. Right, so we, this would be all the people that Jesus met. You know, he might have the 72 disciples, the 12 in here, and kind of the, the Peter, James, and John in here. Different levels. Some of you have heard us talk about this before, kind of in circles, but this, I like this better because I like funfetti cupcakes. Um, the problem is, is that we start out here and we immediately want to be in here. We meet someone and we say, I want to be in your kitchen. And so instead of going through the time-consuming process of, you know, going through the front yard, 
then the porch, living room, then the den, then the kitchen. We sneak around the back and creepily come in the back door and try to force our way in. And if you have ever come home to someone you don't know very well in your refrigerator, you probably are going to have one of two reactions. Um, one, call the police, or two, be like, what is wrong with you? Get out. And both then we're surprised when people don't, when we don't have that friendship right away. I came three times to Convergence. Why don't I have my good friends? Because it takes time. We can't get here right away. And even if we do quickly, we're going to overstay our welcome very, very fast. You've all had that guest that just thinks that they're your best friend and they just show up in your house and you're like, please leave. So I think we have a problem there. The other thing that I think we get it, or the other place we get it really, really wrong, is when we want friends to just have friends. Um, I was debating about whether or not to read this, because it's, C.S. Lewis is a little harsh, but I'm going to go for it. Don't take this personally. He says, that is why those pathetic people who simply want friends can never make any. The very condition of having friends is that we should want something else beside friends. When we come into this room and we just want friends, we want to be entertained and we're bored and we want something to do on Friday night. We're never going to make it in here or anywhere because you know when you're being used. And a friendship that's based solely on what you can get out of it isn't a friendship. It's not a life lived together. It's not a give and take. It's kind of a parasitic relationship. What do you, do you entertain me? Do you keep, you know, I'm going to keep my options open, see if you're the better option tonight. Nobody wants to feel like that. When we go about it in that attitude, it's not a surprise that we don't leave here, leave anywhere with close friends. There's a great uh, book called Cold Tangerines that I love. It's a Shauna Nequist, and she writes in here, Friendship is acting out God's love for people in tangible ways. We're made to represent the love of God in each other's lives so that each person we walk through life with has a more profound sense of God's love for them. Friendship is an opportunity to act on God's behalf in the lives of the people that we are close to, reminding each other who God is. When we do the hard work, the intimate work of friendship, we bring a little more of the divine into daily life. Friendship is an invitation into service, into work. There's an old quote that says, if you want to get friends, be one. It takes an effort on your part first, a desire to do something better for someone else, regardless of what you get out of it. When we rush in thinking, I want entertainment, I want to have friends, and I need you to fill me, fill me, fill me, no one really responds well to that. I think the last place where we really struggle and we get it wrong is that we don't want to work for it anymore. We, have, we don't want to take the risk to be the one person in the room that doesn't know anybody, to do the thing that makes us feel really dumb, like trying to play four square by yourself, that shows up to the soup kitchen and doesn't know what the heck they're doing, doesn't know anyone there, doesn't want to come to the retreat because I only know two or three people. We want to come on Tuesday or wherever you're going on a Sunday, name it, and we want it provided for us. We want, to, we want to show up and walk in here and have people run to us and be like, oh, be my best 
friend. I've been waiting for you to walk through the door. Thanks. But it's not going to happen. It never happens. Or if it does, you might really want to reconsider that person as your friend. Just a small thought. Um, it's experiential. You know, I said in the quote, we get friends because we do things with them. We send mission trip to Haiti every year. It is a great trip. And every year the team comes back and they are tight. They are like this. You know, they spent 10 days in, in a third world country and they become roommates and best friends and they come back and the rest of us sit and watch them and we get jealous and we get irritated. We say, why do they always have to be together? Why don't I get that? How come they get to have all the good friends? Why, why do I, you know, I've been here longer. Why do they get to be all buddy-buddy? But the thing is, is they've experienced something together. They experienced life together. They did something difficult and scary, and now they have a shared ground to walk forward from. One of my other very favorite C.S. Lewis quotes says that the typical expression of opening friendship would be something like, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. It's based on sharing something. It's based on an experience in which you have engaged in life with the people next to you, maybe more than once. So what do we do? That's what we're trying to do here this year. It's what we're trying to do when we have things like the hospitality team that Shannon's going to be leading. Ryan is helping lead up an events team that's going to be planning big events for all of Convergence to be a part of, but he needs people that are going to help him plan them. Shannon needs people that are going to help her welcome new people in here. We have a service team. If, if you care about service, there's a place to do that. We have community groups. On the last Tuesday of this month in August, we're going to have a dinner before Convergence. We're going to have it at 6.30, and we want to invite people to come to that and sit at tables and talk and get to know one another, and I need help cooking. If you want to leave here having met your people, you have to enter in and take the risk. You've got to serve. It's got to be more than just what you're getting out of it and about what that you can do for the community that you're a part of, whether it's here or whether it's someone else. But when you just come in on a Tuesday and you leave feeling unconnected, I can't help you. I can't take you by the hand and make someone be your friend. What I can do, what I long to do, is provide the space for you to walk into life with other people and to become their friend because you're serving together, because you're laughing together and you're planning together and you're traveling together. And take risks. I long for all of us to take the risk to put ourselves out there into an awkward, awkward situation and to trust God that he's going to show up and provide the people. C.S. Lewis once again says, but for a Christian, there are, strictly speaking, no chances. A secret master of the ceremonies has been at work. Christ, who has said to the disciples, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, can truly say to every group of Christian friends, you have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. The friendship is not a reward for our discrimination and good taste in finding the best people. It's the instrument by which God reveals to each the beauty of the other. In a minute, we are going to take 
some time, and the worship team's going to come up, and they are going to place music. And there's some questions on the back of these cards I would love you to consider, to think about as you're going through. Be honest with yourself about what it is you want and you expect. I'm going to close with this story. I have been reading a book lately that I love. It's called The Council of Dads. Has anyone read it? No? Excellent. Uh, it's also a TED Talk. Um, Bruce Feiler was a, uh, a journalist. He wrote um, Walking the Bible, Abraham and America's Prophet, a number of different things, pretty big deal. And a few years ago, he went into the doctor because he's having some weird blood tests came out finding a nine-inch osteosarcoma, so a tumor, in his left femur. This is a disease that strikes about 600 people a year, only about 100 of which are adults. It is incredibly rare, and the chance of survival is not particularly high. Bruce found out this information, found out he was going to have to go through three months of chemo, then have major reconstructive surgery on his thigh where they were going to have to take out nine inches of bone, replace it with a prosthetic, go into his calf, take out his tibia, replace that over the bone in his thigh, and then sew him back up and go through another four months of chemotherapy before he could even start physical therapy. This is a man who made his life, all of it walking, all of his stories about walking across places. He found this out, and he went home that day, and he went into his room, and his twin three-year-old daughters came in, Eden and TB, and they were spinning around and dancing in front of him. He says he just broke down, because all he could think of was, if I don't make it, what will happen to them? Who will be in their life without their dad? And he couldn't handle the idea that these girls would grow up wondering what their dad would have thought, would have told them who he was. And so he came up with an idea. It was called the Council of Dads. He and his wife sat down, and they came up with six men from his life. Only friends, no family. They figured family would be there. This was about friends. Six men who, through the course of his life, knew him well. Men that could testify to a piece of him individually. These men didn't know each other. One was a friend from childhood, one a friend from college, one a friend from travel, one a friend from work, a couple others. And he asked them, will you be my daughter's dad if I don't make it? Will you speak into their life? Will the six of you come together in a way to represent the best of me that I possibly could have given them. He asked them each for one, right now, one piece of advice that they would give his daughters, and all six of them gave a different response, and and all said yes, of course, they would be on this council of dads. But he talks about wanting these men because each was a representative of a different piece of who he was that he wanted his daughters to know. Each one brought out something in him that none of the others could have, and, and that he didn't want forgotten. Who would be your people? Your six, your three. Who are those people that bring out the best in you that you should be investing in and spending more time with? 
Who are the people in your lives that at the end of the day could speak a testimony to who you were as a whole person, not as one individual being able to say everything about you, but as a group who made a beautiful chorus of who you are. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that you bring people into our lives that show us who you are, that demonstrate your goodness, your grace, the multifacets of your personality. And we thank you that you bring friends into our lives who grow us and stretch us, that bring new things to our personality, that help us to become a fuller image of who you created us to be. Lord, I pray that we would feel your nudge, your challenge to where it is we need to risk the awkward situation, the place we need to step up and go to, to volunteer at, to learn to walk in with others. Lord, I pray so deeply that everyone in this room would find their counsel, that they would find their people who love them and challenge them, and that they love and challenge. Lord, we thank you. Amen.